want you to open them with me to the sixth chapter of the book of Hebrews once again. And I want to preface what I'm going to say tonight with this. If you missed the last three nights, then please get the tapes of that if you're interested in the fullness of what I'm going to say tonight. For three nights, I've been building and establishing foundation for what the Lord has instructed me to say today is somewhat hesitant. sixth chapter of the book of Hebrews, the first verse said, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to perfection and that maturity, or let's grow up, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, faith toward God, doctrine of baptism, laying on of hands and resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. This we'll do if God permit. Now, what I'm praying about because I, I'm, I'm obligated by God since he's instructed me to share this tonight and he's the boss I'm not I don't pick out what I preach I've had people say how come you preach so much on faith don't don't get on me about it get on him about it if you don't like it because I don't pick out what I preach I pray till I find out what to preach amen so anyway I, so that you can make your own decisions I'm going to share some things with you tonight from God's Word. I'm going to share some things with you concerning your lifestyle. I'm going to share some things with you about walking by faith. But the things that I'm going to share tonight are things that are sold out to God. People that are committed to God. Committed to live their lives for God. I'm not talking about people that play church all the time. What I'm talking to you about tonight take a whole lot more than one Sunday morning service a week to handle it. You understand what I mean? I'm talking about people that carry their Bible around with us a couple of Sundays a month, maybe one Wednesday night every six, eight, ten weeks, something like that. Now, if, if that's your background, well, you stay with me. You'll get something out of it. And I pray to God before we're through tonight, you make the total consecration and commitment to Almighty God to where you'll even take your Bible to the beauty shop. Dear God of all places, that ought to be 
if it's anything like the barbershop, I know you ought to take it out with you. Amen. Oh, but you know, you walk in there and you can see them. I mean, there's some of them got their New Testament down in their purse and won't look at it. No, 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 unless somebody... But then down there on the end of the row, sitting under the dryer, there'll be some woman with those plugs in her ear, and she's got her tape cassette deck out there and got her Bible in her lap. But a whole lot like her. We get on an airliner. Out comes the Bible. Plop out on the lap. Out comes the tape recorder. Out in goes the earplug. I mean, they ain't even started the engine jet. And there's Gloria. Got notebooks scattered all over the place. Got two bags full of books and a Gloria Copeland sack laying there. Got that plug in that ear, man. Blam to blam. Hallelujah. Here she goes, man. Got her own revival. Where she goes? Got the word of God feeding in there, continue. Well, that's the reason she's stronger than a gorilla when it comes to the word of God. Amen. Hallelujah. That's the reason the devil don't mess with her. That's the reason I don't mess with her. She says hallelujah, and I say yes, ma'am. She comes in and said, the Lord said, I don't doubt it. What is it? Let's do it. Amen. She spends more time with him than she does me, and she's with me 24 hours a day. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right. So let's pray. You open the ears of your understanding. I'm not going to get off out into some far way out why I get the idea that I am. But I am going to get into something that you're going to sit there on the sleep because I don't want you to hear about 10% of it. Dear God. <laughs> Amen. Father, we thank you for the word. And I pray, Lord, put myself in the hands of the Spirit of the living God. I believe that I receive according to your word and according to what you've put in my heart to do tonight and say to this people that we'll hear your voice. We'll hear from the throne of God and open the eyes of our understanding and flood our spirits with light tonight to bring glory and honor to the name of Jesus, to bring understanding and power in the hearts and the minds of your people to know what is available in the blood of the Lamb. That blood, that precious blood. And oh God, we're so ignorant when it comes to the massive things that you've done for us. But we don't want to stay ignorant still. We want to grow. And so we open our hearts and minds in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, let's read in this sixth chapter down. Starting with the 13th verse, we read this scripture couple of nights. Let's look at it again. For when God made promise to Abraham because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely or certainty it is a guarantee. Blessing I will bless thee, multiplying I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently for men verily swear by the greater and an oath or a covenant for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. And as we talked about it the last couple of nights, we established that that is saying that a, 
a blood covenant, a sworn oath, is an date whether or not it was the will of God to do a thing or the other because he swore it. He spoke it. And he swore it. So once an oath is sworn, you, there's, there's no changing something after an oath is sworn to it. See. So now let's read on. Therein, God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise. Now do you remember who the heirs of promise are? Galatians chapter 3 said that Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for as it is written, now listen, so that the promise of Abraham, the blessing of Abraham, might come on the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Then the 29th verse of the third chapter. And if ye be Christ, you according to the promise. So do you belong to Jesus? Is he your Lord and your Savior? Huh? Then you're an heir according to the promise. Now, the third chapter of the book of Galatians also pronounces, if you belong to Christ, you are the seed of Abraham. And you need to track that sometimes, study it down through the New Testament. It's referred to in the fourth chapter of Romans that, that we'll see in just a moment. That the promise might be sure to all the seed. God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of it, affirmed it, by an oath or a sworn covenant. Now, one translation said he bound himself with an oath that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation or a strong, a strong inner strength. One translation... Well, I started to tell you which one it was, but I'm, I'm not positive, but which one says it just exactly this way. But it says, a strong inside compounded strength. An inner consolation strength that comes from this. By two immutable things, which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope that is set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul and steadfast and which entereth into that within the veil where the forerunner for us is entered, even Jesus made a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Now, I want to make a mention of the order of Melchizedek. I don't want to take time here to go into uh, a lot of that, but let me mention this, what he's referring to when he's referring to the order of Melchizedek. He's talking about the way God called Melchizedek into the ministry as high priest because this was back before 
the tribe of Levi, this letter is being written to Hebrew people. And they couldn't understand any high priest coming from any tribe. That to them was the only way God could ever bring a, a priest into, into ministry. And Jesus came from the tribe of Judah. And this presented a major problem in their thinking. Their background just really rebelled at the idea of a priest coming from any tribe except Levi. And they couldn't get hold of this. Really, really interesting to note. You can just make yourself a note somewhere of this. The Jewish community of the day, the religious community of the day, was putting major pressure on these Hebrew Christians claiming that this man called Paul was a Jewish renegade and he's going around preaching a heresy and trying to claim that Jesus is the high priest of God now and we don't need the sacrifices anymore and how could he be since he didn't come from the tribe of of uh, Levi. And they were using that to prove to them in a, in a way that what Paul was preaching was wrong and what they were doing was wrong and if they didn't get straightened out, God's going to kill them all. And some of them renounced the Lord Jesus and accounted the blood by which they were sanctified an unholy thing and trod it underfoot. It's all listed there in the 10th chapter of the book of Hebrews. Now in order for them to understand he took them back beyond Moses. Took them back beyond Levi, which came from Aaron. Took him back beyond Aaron, beyond Moses, back to Abraham, and beyond one step beyond Abraham while he was still Abram, before God had changed his name, before he had settled, before the time... And the night in Genesis, the 15th chapter, when God came that night and told Abram to prepare the blood covenant. And God Almighty walked in that blood and swore to Abram and said, Now you no longer be called Abram, you are Abraham. The H entered into the middle of his name is, was the, stands for the Jewish unspeakable word of God's name Abraham with a in the middle of it Abraham 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 I finally got it right Abraham Sarah's name became Sarah indicating that everybody that heard it that Abram and God's name had been put together and it was done in a blood agreement. Now they understood that. They knew that. They knew that story by heart because it's all in the book of Deuteronomy, see. They knew that by heart, man. I mean, everybody there knew that, knew that was right. So then he gave them the illustration of a man that came before the tribe of Levi and God Almighty anointed him and called him a priest 
and sent him to Abraham and sent him with two immutable things. I ain't got time to go back over and read that where he came to him after the destruction of those kings when they'd captured Lot. And Abram gathered up his household, the servants of his household went down there and, and attacked those kings and got all their goods back, got all the people back, got his kinfolk back and settled that thing for good. And, he, the, and the Sodomite king to him, came to him and said, uh, I'll make a deal with you. You keep all the goods and the spoil and everything, give me the people. Well, now, I don't know where this guy thought he'd going to get in on anything. I mean, dear God, when the war started, he ran off. I mean, he didn't have any spoil coming. Sodomite king come up there wanting to make a deal with Abram. But the king of Salem, Melchizedek, came up there. Now, listen to what he carried. The Bible said God sent him to him with bread and wine. The elements of the covenant. Now God hadn't cut that blood covenant with the man yet. But now listen to hear what happened. Abram told that Sodomite king, I don't want any of the spoil except what my men ate in the field. The food they ate while they were gone is all I want. Now listen to what he said. He said, I don't want the string out of your shoe for I have lifted my hand to God. He'd made a sworn oath to God. He'd lifted his hand to God and said, no man shall make Abraham rich but Almighty God. Now in response to that, God called Melchizedek and anointed him and said, you get down there and you indicate with him with two signs that prove that I can't lie in this statement to him. Now do any of you remember what Melchizedek said when he came up to Abram to receive his tithe or to allow him to invest of his goods with God or to enter into... God is responding to the man's sworn oath. He's responding to his sworn oath to God. And God said, you swear to me, boy, I'm going to swear back to you. And he sends his priest down there and gives him the opportunity to receive tithe. But do you remember what he said to him when he sent him down there? Melchizedek said, I am come from the most high God. Listen to what he said. Possessor of heaven and earth. In other words, I'm just who you thought I was. Now see, ain't no way Abram going to be able to turn back to Deuteronomy, Exodus, Leviticus and read about God. He didn't have a Bible laying in his lap like that. Melchizedek was a sent man to Abram as a representative and messenger of God with the two immutable things which indicated the blood covenant or in other words proving that what he was saying could never be broken. He came with the bread and the wine in his hand. 
Now Jesus did the same thing at the Passover. He's sent of God and he's called the messenger of the covenant. And he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. And this is my body broken for you. That's the hope that is set before us, on the table before us, indicating that God is swearing to you because by himself he's swearing there is no greater. So this covenant is sworn by himself. Hebrews 7.22 Jesus is the guarantee, the surety of a better covenant. He's the guarantee. It rides on him. If this thing is a lie, then God Almighty is a liar. It's a sworn oath. And God sent Jesus with the bread and the wine and said, this is the new covenant ratified in my blood. You drink it. In other words, every word in this new covenant is sworn by the blood of Jesus and God's behind it. His power's behind it. His entire existence is staked. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, glory to God, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, his entire existence is staked on it. And when you stand on that word, and like James says, you become a doer of the word and not just a hearer only, something happens in the heavenlies. Something happens. I mean, it's greater than man's mind because there is a sworn oath between God Almighty and the resurrected Jesus. And when one of these people calls on it, I mean, from the, very, from the very beginning, the way you got born again, my brother, was standing on that word that was bought and paid for in the blood of Jesus. And when you did what it said, and you stood up and said, I accept you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior, I believe with my heart you've been raised from the dead. And I confess you with my mouth as Lord. Thou shalt be saved. Came into existence. Praise God. And all of hell couldn't stop it. All of hell couldn't stop it. And I'll tell you something else. They can't stop by his stripes. Ye were healed either. But it takes some standing. It takes some standing. Now something happened to Abraham from the time that God spoke to him. Now this was, this was some later. He left that situation where he administered to him and God sent Melchizedek to receive his tithe and he sent him down there with, with the, the two immutable things. Something happened to him just a short time after that. God promised him now that he would have a son and he accepted it. He said, well, you know, I've got this boy that is born in my household. God said, no, 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 I ain't talking about him. I'm talking about one born from your own loins. Oh, he said. God said, go outside and look at the stars. Look up in the heavens. Well, now, he was used to doing that because he came from Ur, and over in Ur, they worshiped the moon. So God, God moved on him in a background that he knew about, but he wasn't talking about the moon, ain't but one of them. Talking about the stars. And he said, count them if you can. Count them. Look 
look at them. He said that your seed will be as the stars of the heaven. Oh, he said. Hmm. And the Lord said, now see all this land? Now, boy, that's different. <laughs> God goes to giving you land, particularly somebody else living on it. Hmm. He said, you see all this land out here? He said, I'm going to give you that. And that got him. I mean, he swallowed the other two up to then. But boy, when God said that, he said, how can I know? Back to the bread and the wine. Only this time, instead of bread and wine, the symbols of the covenant. God said, you prepare me the covenant. And this was the, this was the covenant that men cut between men or families between families. And small families entered into covenant with large families and created uh, um, family conglomerates and, and that kind of thing. And the law of the land. I mean, they didn't, have, they didn't have legislation like you and I to do and send all these guys up to Washington, D.C. and they make all these laws and send them back down to us and they don't abide by them themselves. You know the kind I'm talking about. They didn't operate like that. The only law in the land came about, I mean, let's say Happy Caldwell and I'm just living out here in the woods, man. I mean, there ain't nobody there but just Happy and me. There ain't no law until... Happy and I make an agreement with one another and I agree to protect him. He agrees to protect me. I agree to watch after his goods. He agrees to watch after mine. I agree to watch after his family. He agrees to watch after mine. He intends to help me and where he's weak, I intend to help him. Now that's created a law. I've sworn an oath to it. I, we, we cut our flesh and mingled our blood. And we swore before God Almighty as our witness. We have now established law that's punishable by death. It's been legislated. It's been created by sworn oath between two parties. That's what created the law of Moses. Moses didn't create all that. God called Moses into his presence and said, Now, the Bible said he re-energized the covenant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob with Moses and sent him back down there with it written down and said, Go tell them this is the law. What law? There were sworn oaths between your father and me and they have to be kept. So it created a law. Amen? And once they got down on paper, they come closer to keeping it. Now, I said all that so you understand the nature of this thing. And here he's standing out here and he said, how can I know that? Man, I mean, how can I understand that? Don't sound to me like he's fully persuaded, does it you? Turn over the fourth chapter of the book of Romans, 16th verse, and let's see how that compares with this fellow standing out there looking at the stars saying to God how can I know how do I know it's true how do I know Jesus was born of a virgin how do I know that it's God's will for me today 
How do I know it hadn't all passed away? How do I know it's for me? It might not be God's will for me to go to heaven. He may want, he may want me to go to hell. Well, how come you're so special? Huh? No, see, that this, this goes down the same, the same as somebody says, well, you've got to have faith. Well, it takes more than you've got to have faith to have faith. Or have you noticed? <laughs> well, you know, I just kind of always had faith. I mean, my mama had faith and my granddaddy had faith. God ain't got no grandchildren. When you get up against it, we find out how much faith you got. You go to running backwards. Oh, you never know what God's going to do, dear Lord. Yeah, you do. He'll do exactly what he said he'd do. You always know what God's going to do. Always. Because his word is out. Amen. 16th verse, Romans 4. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end or its purpose the promise might be sure to all the seed who's the seed you are if you made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life why is it by faith so that it might be by grace well you know since I'm so good looking and you so ugly God might choose me first well, you know how ridiculous that is. Because I ain't that good looking. Yeah, but you're so much smarter than I am. Well, that ain't going to do it either. In the eyes of God, the smartest fellow on earth. And <laughs> just one cut above a rock. You know, I mean, ain't nobody that smart. Isn't that right? So, what's God's ground for dealing with you and me? How come you can have more than I have? How come I can have more than you have? I can't get any more than you can get, and you can't get any more than I can get. Why? Because it is by faith, so that it might be by grace, that the promise is sure to all the seed. Every promise is just as real to every person that ever made Jesus Christ the Lord of his life as it is to any other one. Now, why does it seem like more people, some people walk with more prayers answered than the others? Well, most of the time it's just because the Bible says you have not because you ask not, you ask and receive not because you ask amiss, and you got somebody here that's taking advantage of what's his in Christ Jesus, and the other one's running around playing pinball and going to church about once every six months, and then he cries and hollers, Why did God let this come on me? Huh? That's the difference between the two. Oral Roberts hasn't got any more faith than I got. I used to think he did. But he doesn't. He just knew how to use it, and I didn't. I got around him and found out how to use it. And the amazing part of it was, when I used it the way he used it, I got the same results. In his meeting. Yeah, we were in Detroit. I'd I'd been been on on uh, on their team. I was on the flight crew. I was going to Oral Roberts University. And we had so many people, Cobo Hall, New York, I mean, that thing hold, I mean, in uh, Detroit, that thing hold between 12 and 13,000 people. We were turning around, three, turning away two to 4,000 people a night who couldn't get in there. And in the day services, the place is jam-packed. Brother Deweese came around there to me one afternoon. He said, Count, we ain't never going to get all these people prayed for. He said, would you, 
if I set you up a prayer line, would you lay hands on people? Would I? <laughs> Man, would I? I mean, I've been wanting to. I've been learning things. I've been watching him. I want you to know he couldn't scratch his ear, but what I could tell you how many times. I watched him like a hawk. I began to realize that this is the faith of Jesus this man's using. See, that's, that's faith so that it might be by grace because it's Jesus' faith, it's Jesus' name, it's Jesus' spirit, it's Jesus' kingdom, it's Jesus' work, it's Jesus' way. Now all those men that followed Jesus that ministered on his staff, everything they did, they didn't... Peter said himself with the man at the beautiful gate, he said, why look ye upon us as though by our holiness or by our calling this man was made strong. He said, faith in the name of Jesus made this man strong. You understand? So now, he set the prayer line up. I didn't know how to do it any other way except the way Oral Roberts did it because I learned it all watching him. I didn't try to do it any differently. Why change something that works? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Huh? Well, don't, what, don't you think Brother Roberts is liable to get mad at you for stealing his material? No, no, he put it out there free. I didn't steal it. He gave it. Gave it to everybody there. And those that didn't have sense enough to go preach it, missed out. It's free of charge. Amen. Put it on tape. Yeah. Wrote it in books. It's all free of charge. Besides that, I didn't know anything else. <laughs> they set the prayer line up there. I didn't know any other way to do it. Man, I just tied into him. Only I did it just the way I'd seen him do it. And at the times that he had spoken to me and, and corrected me in the envy room back there as we were laying hands on envy people, he would correct me and tell me, now don't do it that way, don't do it this way, don't touch them until you're ready to release your faith. Well, I had to learn what that meant and that kind of thing. So I laid hands on a little 500 people in there that afternoon. And I'm telling you, it worked just like it did with him. There was a woman walked up there in front of me, had her hands crossed like this. Well, I mean, there's all kinds of strange things when you get in a prayer line like that. You know, you don't know what you did. You really, we had one, Glory's laying hands on people one time, a guy come up there with a snake wrapped around his waist. Glory said, I ain't praying for you to get rid of your snake. <laughs> you know, me and the snake ain't going into this at the same time now. Well, I didn't know, you know, I mean, the, the anointing of God is all over me, and I saw that thing, and I just attacked it. I didn't ask her. <laughs> you know, I didn't say anything to her. I just said, in the name of Jesus, and I reached out there, like, and when I touched the thing, it disappeared. I mean, it disappeared. And, and my mother was standing right behind me. She was laying hands on me for strength, because I, by this time, I'd, I'd, shit, I'd lay hands on lots of people. And she said, where'd that go? I said, I don't know where it went. I don't care. <laughs> Woo! That woman said, go, praise the Lord, and raised both hands. And when she pulled her hands away, there was a great big garter on her neck. How could 
hardly believe what I was seeing. This cancerous growth had disappeared, and here's this gorder bigger than a softball right on her neck. Well, I started after that, man. You know, I'm going to get my hands on that thing. I couldn't figure out how come the other went and that didn't. But she had her hands over it like this. I started, no, no. She said, uh-uh. Oh, my, ha, <laughs> ha. I mean, that surprised me. She said, no, no. I'm saving that for Brother Roberts. <laughs> I could hardly wait to get to tell him. <laughs> and that night I told him I told him about the whole thing and he looked at me like, Are you serious? I said so I said before God Almighty, she said she is saving that garter for you. He said, Boy, the Lord looks light after me, don't he? He's so thrilled, you know. He hadn't laid hands on but two and a half million people. I don't know what he'd have done if, he, if she hadn't saved him that garter. <laughs> what happened? It was done unto her as she believed. And that what Jesus said, be it done unto you as you have believed. Now, I said all that because I want you to see this. It is by faith, it was God's purpose that it be by faith so that it might be by grace. In the blood of Jesus, in the, the, the bread and the wine, in our relationship with God that's come through the blood of the Lamb, in relationship with God, it is God's desire to treat you exactly the same as Jesus, and He's called you Jesus' joint heir. He's not treating you based on your ability to fail. He's treating you based on Jesus' ability to succeed. And you can't believe that. It's too good to be true. You can't believe that all of heaven belongs to you and Jesus is the head, but we are His body, the fullness of the, that fulfills Him all and all. You can't believe that Jesus is unfulfilled without you. Why? Because you were born and raised and you now live in a failure-oriented society based on the laws of fear that came from the day Adam sinned. The first thing he did, he was afraid of God and afraid he would fail, and every society since has based all of its existence on the laws of fear and the laws of failure. And it's called sin consciousness in the Bible. You can't believe that there's any way for you to live like that. I've had people tell me, Kenneth Copeland, I mean, that's my life. You mean to tell me that I can live like sin never existed? That's exactly what I'm telling you. Either that or that blood might as well have been the blood of a goat. John the Baptist looked at him and said, There's the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. Now, I didn't say I lived a perfect life. I miss it. I'm right along with you and everybody else that misses it. But I have a promise. Precious, exceeding great and precious promise in this sworn covenant 
in the blood of the Lamb and in the bread of the body of the Lamb broken for me, in the sworn oath of God, it says we have an advocate with the Father when we sin, even the righteous Jesus Christ, who is what? Faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. When? When you confess them. Not 16 years later, after you've cried about it, bawled about it, and beat yourself on the back, stripes on your back ain't going to do any good. Now what God's trying to get us to do is to walk in this and believe it whether you happen to feel like it or not. Oh, I just can't believe it. That's the reason he sent you the bread and the wine. Two immutable things in which he cannot lie. And the blood or the wine is the blood of his son. And the bread is the body which was the word made flesh and dwelt among men. So as far as the devil is concerned, you ought to be walking a sinless life if you've got sense enough to repent. You listen to me? If you've got intelligence enough to repent. Oh, but I just feel so bad about it. Don't make no difference how you feel about it, brother. Go get the bread and the wine. <laughs> huh? The hope that is set before you. Go get the bread and the wine. Oh, but I broke the covenant. No, you didn't. You just broke your fellowship in it. The covenant is between God Almighty and the resurrected Jesus of Nazareth. You can't break it. It can't be broken. That blood can't be, cannot be broken. You can break your fellowship. Go on in there and repent. And stand up and laugh in the devil's face. Standing there feeling terrible. I told God one night, I said, I ain't going over and preach tonight. You're going to have to get you somebody else. I'm not going. And the Spirit of God, <laughs> just as plain as I'm talking to you, said, why are you not going? I called you here to preach. You got, I said, no, I ain't going. Get you another boy. I ain't going. He said, why? I said, don't ask me. Why? What's the matter with you? You know why. You know what I did. We ain't going into that. <laughs> Stupid ain't the word for it. <laughs> I said, I ain't going over. He said, why not? I said, because you know what I did earlier today, and I, I, I'm, I'm so ashamed of it. I, I, oh, dear God, I, I ain't going now. You just I don't care if they sit over there all night long. I don't care what they do. I'm not going. You understand? I ain't going. I can't go stand up in that pulpit and say, the Lord. I ain't going to do it. He said, why not? I said, don't ask me why not again. What's the matter with you? You know why not. No, he said, I don't know what you're talking about. I said, what's got into you doing what I'm talking about? You, it ain't been all day. He said, you did confess it before me, didn't you? I said, yeah, I did. He said, do you account the blood by which you're sanctified an unholy thing? I said, oh dear God, no. He said, that's what you're standing there doing. 
He said, I gave you my sworn oath that when you confessed it before me, I would not only forgive you of it, but I'll cleanse it and cast it into a sea of forgetfulness. Keep bringing it up. I said, yeah, but I feel so guilty. He said, since when is it based on how you feel anyhow? He said, you've got some other kind of feeling every time I hear from you. 